I'm still recording. How's it going out there? This is Abby from post-production with Steven to my right. Cassidy's audio until about minute seven was pretty, pretty bad. You couldn't hear anything at all. So Cassidy's not talking until about minute seven. Enjoy this conversation between me and Tyler. La la la. I'm Abby, and this week we have technically my big oh my Tyler God. Joseph Ellis. <laughs> Tis I. Thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So Abby is theoretically my my little, or actually very literally my little. Um, we had a whole ceremony and everything. I drank, I drank blood, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, wow. So... Everybody, Tyler's here today. Tyler was my big. And Tyler is the perfect guest for this episode because probably the first thing I ever learned about Tyler before ever meeting mm. Tyler. How many times? Take a shot every time I say Tyler. <laughs> is that Tyler shot is mm. obsessed with Sondheim. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Stephen Sondheim is an um, American musical theater composer, a, a composer and lyricist. It's important oh, that boom. he is both. He got to start just writing lyrics for such works as Gypsy and West Side Story. So his name mm -hmm. is very much attached to those projects. But um, he wanted to be a composer as well and compose his own music. His um, big idol in life uh, and mentor was Oscar Hammerstein II of Rodgers and Hammerstein, who taught him everything he knew. And uh, it's very fitting because obviously Rodgers and Hammerstein revolutionized the form of the American musical. And then Sondheim used that and d learned from the greats themselves and twisted it and made the form his own as well. So he's created such works as that you may know, of like Into the Woods, Sweeney Todd, Follies, A Little Night Music, mm. Company, a lot of delicious ones, and then some that you may <laughs> not know. He, what, makes, what sets him apart, I think, is he turned his back on the traditional um, song structure in a lot of his work, um, and he is... Uh, and his lyrics set, set him apart as well. That's why, uh, but he, I'm hesitant to be like, oh, he's an amazing lyricist because his melodies are iconic as well. Send in the Clowns is Sondheim. It's, it's from A Little Night Music. So I think his knowledge of the form and his, I mean, Abby's mentioned this before, his whole mantra is content dictates form. So he takes the work of whether it be a playwright or otherwise and musicalizes it and really approaches a, show and a score from a character's point of view and from an actor's point of view and that's why a lot of actors like myself freak out whenever Sondheim's mentioned because performing his work you feel it, like how Sondheim put on the costume to write the show essentially I really I I hate to be that but like he really does strike me as like the modern day Shakespeare yeah that's sort of how it feels so a lot of people and I will get into this but I think a lot of people will agree and or freak out about Sondheim like how I do and it sort of can come off as pretentious like how a Shakespeare lover can come off, come off as pretentious but if you're in it it's really just like it's because there's so you know there's just it's it's such a rich world and when you take the time to really delve into it of course you're going to want to talk about it all the time because there's so much there so yeah. That's me. <laughs> Which I also think, okay, transitioning into the epi this episode <laughs> yeah. specifically is really interesting. Company! Company. <laughs> oh, God. I guess we should do the bit a minute before I talk about this one specific thing that I did notice. Um, <laughs> Tyler! Yeah. Okay. So, 
You get to play Fan of Minute. Oh, God, I'm stressed about this. Okay. <laughs> Let me pull up my minute. <laughs> Go. Okay, so uh, Company follows, uh, it's confusing because the revival, it, it is a woman, it's gender bent, a character named Bobby, and it's their 35th birthday, and the entire show takes place within an instant, within Bobby's mind, is essentially the sort of heady way of viewing the show, when of course you may not walk away thinking that. Anyway, so it follows this 35th birthday and how this single bachelor or bachelorette only has like coupled or married friends and how they all sort of infringe upon Bobby and and kind of are ushering him her you have 24 them, seconds great left? to get to um to like push them toward settling down and commitment and over the course of the show you see the problems and also how loving all of these couples are Dead. and the um and then at the end Bobby realizes wait I think maybe I do want all, all, even the bad and the good parts of Two, of relationships. One. That was spectacular. <laughs> Thank you. It's help it that helps makes... that it's like no plot. It helps that it's sort of plotless. Yeah, so. that was what my one question was as I was watching it and I was like, yeah, I like the music and yeah, I like the thought. Like it's thought provoking for sure, but what is actually going on? Like, <laughs> what is that? That's, what is actually? That's the uh, very. I think that's very common. That's a common response to this. Yeah, show. and given that bit a minute, I just thought it was so. Since I I watched a bootleg yes. of the most recent Broadway revival, but then I also had to supplement it with the Raúl Esparza. Uh, yes, Esparza one. Yeah, a very very specific air to that fella. Very yeah. guarded. Yeah. Very like. Ooh, I don't know if I want my daughter to go on a date with you. Yeah, sort know, of. Yeah, know, I mean, he, like, he's in that suit that whole show, but he's he, it's kind of ruffled, you know? And I'm like, ooh. <laughs> but, but I just thought it was interesting because, like, that was a production where all of the actors played their own instruments. Yes, and I was like, the John you know, Doyle. That's, that's been done for Sondheim before. Like, that's exactly what they did for that one Sweeney Todd revival on the West End. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that, that Sondheim revivals keep because he's like this modern day Shakespeare that yeah. incorporates like very specific music for his shows. I think it's really interesting that a lot of people keep getting drawn to making the actors, the musicians all at once. People like, love that. People love that in Sondheim shows. This is such a sort of tangent, but it's Sondheim related. A little night music, like Henrik in the show, like plays the cello. But initially that show was supposed to be every actor would have a different instrument. It was written to be that. Literally, of course. So it was written. <laughs> it was like, so what's odd is that now these productions are doing it. I'm like, a little night music was supposed to originally be that. Like every actor playing their own instrument. But the only one that really remained was Frederica the little girl playing piano and then Henrik playing the cello. So. I'm like, I know it's, I know Sondheim music is hard. I have Sondheim <laughs> in my book. I'm aware. Yeah, you do, Abby. <laughs> Ooh, I feel you, Johanna. But I'm like, it kind of makes sense to me for Sondheim just because like mm. you have to be a good musician as well as a good actor when yeah. you're doing Sondheim. So it makes sense. And also like the choice of instrument is always specific. This yes. is a whole other thing, but it's like, hmm, mm, I see you. <laughs> I see you. Oh my god, hey, Abby from post-production again. Thrilling thing, Steven, guess what? What? Cassidy's back! Cassidy's back! Editing note, I just picked up my mic, folks. It's, it was next to me, but I just picked it up and thought maybe that'd be a good thing to speak into. So it could be a little soft we'll in the front chunk. You know, we're about 15 minutes in. Oh god. <laughs> oh my god. We're great, we're doing great. We're, this is perfect. We're doing fantastic. <gasps> Wait, I'm going to double check that I've recorded knife. Okay, I am. <laughs> yeah, every, I know. That was, it was quite humbling to look and see my microphone mm. just face down <laughs> on my bed next to me. Humbling to see my microphone.
Okay, wow. me of my job. So, yeah, yeah. It's fine. Fly, cool. die, retry. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fly for yeah, me. Yeah. I can, I, I, I don't need to interject queerness if that's not like the character of Bobby, but it does feel very like married couples hate each other, which I think is kind of a straight narrative sometimes, which mm -hmm. is interesting, especially since it is exploring the nature of these relationships. But I think it goes deeper in that to be like, nah, they don't hate each other. Like, here's the real gist of it. I can see some color. This is a pretty historically white show for no reason. Yeah. That's about it, honestly. Some of these songs go a little long, but <laughs> it's on time. I'll take it. You know, yeah. it's always long with substance. Mm -hmm. mm. That's my take. Mm -hmm. Tyler? Oh, yeah, I'm going next. Yeah. Um, I definitely think this is a fly. I love this show. I think um, it's odd. I, I've done this show twice. I was Bobby twice in the show, and I'm oh. young. So I and so I got really lucky. Just like I happened to, in high school, fell into a production, and then in college, fell into another production. It was sort of nice. But um, I was thinking of you as like an eight-year-old Bobby. Oh my, can you imagine? Oh my god, like <laughs> company <laughs> junior, company junior. Company. I love it. Company junior. Company junior. But I I think it's just you're totally right. I think it's very traditionally white. Um, and we're gonna get into this, but the character of Marta, like historically, has been like the one person of color in the show which is of course super problematic and i think we're in the night in the 95 down my warehouse production bobby was played by a black man which i was like finally like it, it took a really long time yeah, good Lord. um but i think the music in this is so undeniable we're going to talk about the revival the most recent revival and which kind of modernized it and put it in present day and i think it still works um, but I think you're right. The um, it can be a dangerous game to play in terms of like what it's saying about relationships. But ultimately, I think it gets there in the end. In in the whole dichotomy yeah. of like with all these bad things that you're seeing, some of these couples at their best worst. <laughs> but in the end, that's the point. It's you're supposed to take a relationship for both sides. Like that's what you're signing up for. So I think it ultimately is a fly. But Abby, what do you think? I I mean I do. I yes 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 yes. <laughs> and I was like. I don't know. I was watching the retry. I don't know. I'm only 21. I'm not old enough to be worried about this, but for some reason I keep worrying about marriage. And yeah. so then we were watching Company yeah. and I was like, what is going on? And it's like, am I stressed out? Are you stressed out? I yes, Tyler with the Bette Midler Hello I know, I'm Dolly drinking cup. out Sorry, of a Hello Dolly continue, cup. Abby. Continue, Abby. Continue. Just had to show how on brand a guest Tyler is. But I was like, I get, like, the show flies, but. I can't separate my own anxieties from this show. So wow. I was like, maybe we should just kill it. Maybe we should just let it die so that I don't have to deal <laughs> oh with any God. of this. Abby, I, I like, love that. I, I love that. Like, I sit next to my stuffed elephant and I was like, I don't know how to handle this show. <laughs> I, that's oh that's a, I know we want your personal opinions and that yeah. is, happens to be a very personal I, opinion. It's not very academic or like... Um, <laughs> smart opinion it's just maybe i don't want to deal with uh, my own anxieties around marriage so totally let's fair. let it die totally fair i really liked the narrative shift of making bobby female in the mm -hmm. 2020 revival folks this got to be open for like maybe a week if that before covid happened but it was a really big revival with patty lapone in it as well and yeah i liked getting to see that switch yeah. especially because i feel like this is impressed upon females a touch more mm. especially females who have had to take longer to get like their legs up in the business world or flesh out their mm -hmm. careers or just aren't interested and then to have this impressed upon them felt very it just felt fresh and topical so it was interesting <laughs> to shift yeah i just my one criticism of it when it just purely gender bends is like 
I think that there are things that come with like the female experience of being 35 and not married that just like Bobby didn't go through because he is male. Like I thought the gender bending was interesting and I liked it as an art piece and it did make me think, but I don't, and I like that they in no way tried to make it like a slice of life in the gender bending. I like that they kept the very like surrealist atmosphere. Yeah. The set was super oh cool. My God. So oh cool. the set was so cool. It like goes everywhere. Legend, she's beautiful. Oh my God. That woman? She's stunning. The woman from the band's visit. Katrina um, Link. Katrina oh, Link. Yes. Oh, I kind of thought that was her. Yeah, it was I'm Katrina not Link. that great with the name. <laughs> wow. Stunning. She's stunning. stunning. I could not stop staring. So I like that. But there are things that I think, you know, company Stephen Sondheim didn't write it for a woman, didn't try and encapsulate like the female yeah. exp- like, you know, no. so don't look at it for that. Yeah. But look at it for all the other reasons. Like, it's yeah. pretty set, pretty Katrina Lang, pretty music. <laughs> the, the and the threat. production, I mean, uh, I it's tough because this production, I don't know if it even ever opened. I think it was just in previews. Yeah. And it'll come back, but it's tough because we'll, we'll be getting into this revival when, of course, very few people have actually seen the revival. But mm-hmm. hopefully we can... Um, we can usher them along and with context, yeah. but I just think this production is so brilliant. And I think Marion Elliott, who directed it, who's like I think for a production of this show, there've been a, a good, lot of renditions of the show, and almost all of them professionally filmed and available online, which is so Sondheim. Yeah. Sondheim's works are very accessible, which I think wow. is why people lo- like he films all of his shows, and then they're all like there's pro shots of all of them. So I really love yeah. that about I didn't him. Know that. That's a great. Yeah, if if you need um <laughs> pointing and for any of his shows, I can point you in the right direction to <laughs> <laughs> view them. Um, That's but, true. I texted but, yeah. Tyler, and Tyler responded within the minute. Yeah, I was. Like here you go. Yeah, I was like, you're asking the right person. But I just, I think that sure, the story doesn't. It is written by two men with uh, George Firth and, and Stephen Sondheim. But the fact that they're at the helm and the directing eye is a woman. I think that's why this revival works. It wouldn't have worked otherwise because you're totally right, Abby. It's like this isn't written for a female experience, but when uh, you get into a scene like Barcelona and the whole like sex scene mm. between Andy, I'm like, oh my God, only a woman could come up with that staging because that is not how it normally goes. I did not get Barcelona. I didn't even get to watch yeah, that part. Oh, that oh my God. Okay, one. well, essentially, yeah, 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 <laughs> during yeah. that, um, I'm so sorry. We're going so out of order, listener. I'm sorry, but- It's okay, um, I'll take you to the top right I, after I, yeah. You're the best, Cassidy. Keeping me honest, <laughs> um, is that during the during poor baby, the husbands in this version, but the wives traditionally like sing poor baby, like feel so bad for Bobby for being so alone. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. he's about to hook up with this woman, or she's about to hook up with this guy. And yeah. in this scene, Andy, who is usually April in the show, mm-hmm. is giving yeah. I, I can say this giving Bobby oral sex under the covers, and then you, you see like upside down, like against the edge of the bed, Bobby mm-hmm. like looking out, and then like they're mm-hmm. all all the husbands sit on the bed like and sing to her as she's like getting this done to her, which is so <laughs> funny. It is so rich. So uh, it's like that. I was like, yes, Marion, yes. And it really elevated the material. But we can go back to the top, Cassidy. Thank you. (laughs) You're so good. So we open with company. It it just kind of establishes the, like, the everyday flow of life. That things are busy. That people are coming in and out. Yeah. I did, like, another thing I liked about the revival one, because this is, like, the part that I did get to watch of it. Mm -hmm. It had a lot more humor to it, generally speaking, than the Raul Esparza one. Yes. And, like, I I feel like Sondheim... I so I did my whole freaking thesis project last semester on Sweeney Todd after we did the episode about it. Oh so gosh. I like really dug into Sweeney yeah. Todd and like Sondheim is funny 
And a lot of people sleep on that because he's fast and you can't hear all the lyrics when the first time you see it, obviously. But like, he's funny. And company, the lyrics are funny. And I watched her first and then I went and watched the Raul one. And I was like, dude, joke after joke after joke. (laughs) You guys are just walking through them as if they're not there. That production was very grounded. Did not lean, the 2006 production did not lean into the comedy. It was very much not that. It was very understated where this production was elevated in terms of the comedy and I so appreciated that because the audience was laughing every other second like there was there was so much laughter and I'm like yeah because the cast all-star comedian musical theater cast like every single funny person is in this revival and I think I'm like yeah it's a musical comedy and ult- I mean, little dramaturgy dump to use your term, to use your Ooh, terminology. Yeah. Take it is, down, take it um, down. Take it down. Is um, this show came off the heels of Do I Hear a Waltz, which Sondheim did the lyrics for with Richard Rogers, and it was a flop. Right before that oh. was Anyone Can Whistle, another flop. And right before that <laughs> was was a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, which was not a flop, oh. but Sondheim wasn't even nominated for best score. It like The funny thing happened on the way to the forum was technically his first success as a composer lyricist Uh but he was totally overlooked in terms Uh of um, like no it didn't even launch him the way he maybe should have after that score so Uh this show really was the first hit and his one of his only undeniable hits where he is composer lyricist he won for best score this year the tony he would he would then win the year after for Follies and the year after that for Night Music. He got three years in a row he won Best Score. Wow. And crazy. So I just love this show and I think it's so funny and the reason it it works and why Sondheim constantly revisits it is because this is a sort of crowning jewel when you look at his work. So I love that he's been willing to make adjustments. There's also a workshop of a queer production where Bobby being alive sort of becomes a coming out song which a lot of people are like a lot of people kind of impose Sondheim onto the role of Bobby and are like, oh, Sondheim's definitely like writing this and he wasn't out of the closet yet. He's a gay man, but he, it's like, oh, this is his like, I don't think I even knew that about Yeah, and how it's like, ooh, this being alive is sort of a coming out song, which he is very like publicly said that is not it at all. But mm-hmm. there was a production and Alan Cumming was Joanne and like, uh, so it was just uh, sort of a crazy uh, production. <laughs> but he is the yeah, best. Truly. I love Alan. And Sondheim loved it. He was crying. The workshop was very successful. But Sondheim was too nervous to like, what if it wouldn't work? And then he oh. was getting old, right? This was only like maybe less than 10 years ago. So he like didn't move it along because he, this is, this show means so much to him. It's like the his hit. And he does not want the last revival of the show to not be a huge success. So mm. he sort of put that per- sort of a concept to rest. And then this one came about and apparently it. It, 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 this is the one that he went with, but I do. That's so interesting. That was a fantastic job. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I kind of got lazy with this episode because I knew you would have. Oh no, I, I, I'm, I'm hold, I will hold you up. I, I have, I did. I have a whole document of like all of like my research. I figured for this I show. could lean on you in that Please, way. Please lean, 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 me. lean, lean on me, lean on me. <laughs> anyway, yes, company opening number. It's so great. opening numbers door chimes in comes company i'm not gonna put y'all through me singing the blurbs with this kind of voice today so someone is welcome to perfect it just kind of shows the hustle and bustle it shows bobby it shows that bobby's friends are all couples Mm -hmm. yeah and i think the framework that tyler put in his bit a minute was like it's all this all happens in an instant in his head that makes sense because like 
It opens yeah. and we're at his birthday. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great point. Yes. It's yes. his 35th birthday and he's still single. Yeah. And they, like they, they're guy. leaving him voicemails and they're all like, oh, like happy 35th. And then he's listening to all of them and then just his or her. Um, l- l- then she sets a voicemail message, like outgoing message saying mm-hmm. like, hi, this is Bobby. Like yesterday is my birthday. Yesterday I'm turning 35. I'm paraphrasing. And whatever you're calling about, my answer is yes. And mm-hmm. I think that's like, so that's where Bobby begins is that he lives sort of as the third wheel and he will mm-hmm. always say yes to any of these couples because he doesn't have mm-hmm. anyone. And like, and then by the end of the show, of course we'll get there, but yeah. I, it's a brilliant way to begin. And Sondheim writing the opening number to Company, he hated the fact that Company has like no rhymes unless they're sort of like forced. So he doesn't rhyme. He doesn't rhyme anything with Company. He just repeats it, and then the and the rest of the words <laughs> are rhymes, which I like, which I appreciate. That's so funny. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So then it takes you into sorry. No, the little things you do together, mm-hmm. which is Joanne and the other couples. And the bit's like, the little things you do together that make perfect relationships. And it's all filing for divorce together. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah. And so it's all kind of perils of marriage, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is where I was it. like, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, this is where oh the anxiety no. starts. <laughs> oh, this is like, stop. The, because just the other day, I was thinking to myself, I was like, you know, if you get married, you have to go back to having a roommate. <laughs> yeah, and a bedmate. Ah! What if they? What? What if they? What? <laughs> Get out! <laughs> I love watching Abby squirm at the thought. I'm obsessed with this. But yeah. like, what if you guys like don't agree? This is really not important to the episode. But like, what if you don't agree on like decorations? I, like, I know. What if- I know. I know. <laughs> There's so much to think about. So much compromise. Yeah, and so. It's really, it's this awkward scene that you kind of sit through where the, um, what's, what's Joanne's partner's name? Larry. 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 Larry is, like, challenging her. He's like, oh, she takes all this karate. Oh, yeah, that's Sarah and know. Harry. That's Sarah and Harry in the opening oh. scene. Yeah, but Joanne is the one that's singing the song, so that's confusing. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So it, it's showing, like, couples challenging mm-hmm. each other. It's like, oh, come on. If you know so much, then fight me. And so you're just (laughs) sitting there in this agonizing, anxiety-inducing kind of scene. It's like when you go out to dinner and you have to, like, watch a couple fight in front of you. So kudos to Sondheim for replicating that for for strangers. Because I feel like I feel that secondhand embarrassment typically when I know them, not when it's strangers. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is actually, like, my first question, Tyler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the gender bending in the the revival, was it only for Bobby? Was Bobby the only... Okay. No. So, oh, okay. So, so that makes sense. Yeah. So very quick. Of course, the boyfriends are normally girlfriends. So you can drive a person crazy. Then like a three-person yeah. guy right. song. Right. I thought that was cute. So um, Marta becomes PJ. April becomes Andy, and Kathy becomes Theo. So it's so it's three okay. guys. And then also Amy becomes Jamie. So Jamie and Paul are a gay couple, and mm-hmm. that's not normally how it is. And then mm-hmm. also what's very interesting about this production is that sure Susan and Peter as well as Jenny and oh no Jenny and her You're partner so close. um I'm so, I was you I was so close so I'll, I'll think about it I'll think about it they ever, they're ever flopped in terms of dialogue but their their character names are the same so what's really interesting is that the power dynamics in mm. two of the relationships are flopped so in one scene um 
like a couple is getting high together and then um, one is sort of getting anxious and sort of like goes into it and one's like, well, I married a square, like that kind of thing. And it's normally a scene. Yeah. So, but those were flops. So it's the guy getting high and being sort of annoying. And then the, and then Jenny being super like, okay, I married a square, like get us water, that kind of thing, which was so fascinating to watch. Cause usually it's like, Oh, like we've seen those relationships where the guy is like, yeah, very belittling and sort of in talking like down to them in front of them, like to the, to Bobby. Right. And then also, um, Susan and Peter in terms of like also that gender dynamic is different because it's uh, usually Susan's this little girl from the country and she's so nervous about her husband. Like, look, don't lean off too far off the fire escape. But then it's the flop. So it's the, it's, yeah. the, it's the girl being like kind of spunky and being like, whoa. And then the the being having a really nervous husband. So yeah. it, so there, Mary and Elliot very intentionally like flopped the typical like gender dynamics as well as the characters, which I enjoy. Yeah, because I was watching it and I was listening to some of the, the lines we are a little jumpy today but it is what it is <laughs> we're gonna be jumpy today it doesn't really ma- there's, there's so much energy in the room <laughs> it also doesn't super matter for this show because it's not like because there's not a plot it's yeah. not like he's changing as he goes through the, each of these relationships yes. he you just need to see him see each of these relationships absolutely yeah because they all totally change him what yes. matters is like the beginning song and the ending song. And could, <laughs> yeah. I'd be curious to see if anybody ever like played with like the order of the. Oh, yeah, very interesting. Very. Because I'm like I'm not sure it super matters except for like maybe Joanne at the end. Yeah, like Ladies Who Lunch has got to happen at the eleven o'clock number, oh, of yeah. course. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. That's also a big number from the show, folks. If you don't yeah, know Ladies Who Lunch or anything yeah. about it, you still might know Ladies Who Lunch. So then we get into Sorry Grateful, mm-hmm. which is we're always sorry, we're always grateful. Very pretty, Very, yeah. ballad. Kind of asking, like, how does this work? Like, are you happy you're married, essentially? Mm-hmm. And there, it's like there's lots of perils to marriage. There's lots of ups and downs, but you're always very appreciative of it. I used to think the song was sweeter than I do now, I think. Uh. Which maybe I'm just being idealistic and in love, you know? No, I, <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't like the way they talk about all these negative stuff. <laughs> but it, it does have an ounce of, like, regret to it, which never sits perfectly well with me. Yeah. yeah. Married listeners of the pod. I know there's a couple of you out there. Yeah. First of all, y'all crazy. Oh, my God. Second of all, <laughs> second of all like... You guys regret it? Like, don't don't tell. But like, yeah. do you guys regret it? It's one of those things. It's and yeah, it's it's the dichotomy. It's 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 sorry, grateful. It's like it's like because the line that begins the song is, uh, "Hey, are you Harry? Are you ever are you ever sorry you got married?" And it's like you're always sorry, and um, you're always grateful. So it's both, and it's supposed to just be like it's so murky. And my favorite, one of my favorite lyrics in the show is from this song. It's you're scared she's starting to slip away, and scared she'll stay. I just think that's yeah. such like oh my god, because because when you're that sort, of, I mean it's all you. It's not like you're married and it's bliss. And I think this was one of the first shows to really like shine a light on what happens in a marriage. And a, another dramaturgy dump. Sondheim was never married. And he was like, how can I write a show about married people when I don't know anyone that's married? So he sat down one afternoon with Mary Rogers, who's Richard Rogers' daughter, also a composer, Once Upon a Mattress, Mary Rogers musical. I'm shy! Yes, which I'm sure you would nail that song, Abby. That's a great song for you. Better be in the book. 
It is. But she, she, oh, perfect. She was on, Mary was on her second marriage. So Sondheim sat down with her and just took notes as she's talked. And I think Sorry Grateful is a direct um, result of that afternoon. Because that's, that is like when someone's in marriage, they can talk about the, this dichotomy so well. And I think Sondheim then took those words and captured it really well in this song. Not to say I'm a master of marriage at all yeah Tyler's um, you know. been married four times he really knows what he's talking about five times now yeah exactly oh oh I forgot about the COVID <laughs> wedding so yes, sorry yes, yes, yeah, yes. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it just has very good nuance to it yeah. and grit and honesty and then we move into you could drive a person crazy oh. you could drive a person great song really love yes. yeah catch those notes but yeah so it's basically talking about like the elusiveness and kind of leading people on. And they say, like, I could understand it if he was good in bed. Or yeah. I could understand it if he was actually, like, he was actually dead. Yeah. Because they compare him to being a zombie mm-hmm. kind of in this dating field where they can't get too much out of him. Oh, my God. Yet he's such a catch. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that. I like it more, I think, when they're singing about it. Ah. But that could just be, like, women play games, you know, which I don't love. So well, this was, like, okay, in other productions, are the three people singing about Bobby the same gender as Bobby, or is it always the women? Always singing? women. Always It's women. always the women. Oh, okay. Do-do-do-do. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I actually, Cassie, your point is also really great because it adds, because it's just the three women singing about how unavailable a guy is, is now tired. Yeah. And so the three yeah. guys who are very confident in their own masculinity and everything, I mean, that's not at play here. And they were, and I like that they were all kind of different stereotypes. A hundred percent. And how they are frustrated with a woman who's unavailable because they're like pining after this woman. And I feel like that is like a more interesting, like, oh, the woman's unavailable and these guys are like kind of puppy dogs to her. And yeah, I'm like, I'm, I like yeah. this dynamic a little bit more. It's a little, it feels a little f- more fresh, in my opinion. Yeah, I see that story way less often. Yeah, for even, sure. Even if it already exists in the mainstream, it's not the female perspective I see typically. Yeah. I also shows. like that she's not really being villainized for it. Like, I feel like mm. when we do see this yeah. trope, she becomes like some sort of like villain or something negative because of it it's just like and how much of abby that is such a good point and how much of that is because this framework was for a man and a woman's fitting into it so she so there's no like writing that people there's subconsciously exactly yeah. and i think that is one of the huge pluses of gender bending shows is like okay <sighs> if, let's just put a woman in this position then we don't have the baggage that comes with any sort of unintentional or intentional biases against like women, female stereotypes as you're writing yeah. the piece. So it's like that all falls to the wayside. That's why I really want to see a woman Sweeney and a male love it because yeah. it's like, I really do want to see them switched because like the power that Sweeney holds, I think like a woman could obviously slip into those shoes. Yeah. I think that's so interesting. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's really cool, and I hadn't thought about that at all. Needless to say, with or without the gender bending, this show does not pass the Bechdel test. I feel like I, ha- I can't yeah. believe I haven't really even said it yet. I was wondering if you were going to bring up the Bechdel <laughs> test, because I was like, oh my god, this would never work, because it's a show about relationships. No, yeah, no. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> it's like, literally the whole thing is... No. Yeah. <laughs> being, <laughs> being alive is, like, now about, like, a man, kind of. Like, not really, but, like, kind of. Mm. Yeah. So then we have, have I got the, have I got a girl for you? Mm-hmm. I don't really remember what that sounds like. Have I got like. a girl for it you? 
wait till you meet her. <laughs> I gotta go for you, boy. Who boy? Is how it goes. It's a blast. It's like all <laughs> it's of um, Bobby's friends trying to be like, oh my god, I've got the perfect person for you to go on a date with here, and yes. a perfect person for you to go on a date with here, which. Look, there's a lot of things about this culture that kind of make me go, ah! but one is like, hey, could someone start setting me up on dates? That sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that just sounds like fun. Yeah. Yeah. So then we move into someone is waiting, which is Bobby kind of singing about like the perfect person is out there and they have these qualities. They, you know, they're as patient as Kathy and as kind as so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of picking and choosing from these women. Yeah, mm-hmm. like qualities Which, of all of them, yeah. And this is when in the revival that the, bless you, that <laughs> the... You. you don't got to bless me for editing sake, <laughs> but I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> this is in the revival when all of the, like, company letters started being moved, right? And, like, they were entering through, like, the actual letters yeah, that spelled that company. Was cool. That was wild. It was so cool because they had had all these um, light boxes outlined on stage that they had been entering and exiting out of. And then in this number, the actual letters of the word company were on these giant stilts and moving around. And at first I was like, is that tacky and then i was like no it's, it's not yeah it's cool yeah that's so that's yeah. such a good point because someone is waiting happens then another hundred people is right after that which is when that begins yeah. <laughs> but quickly on someone is waiting this is the song that i think this might be my favorite song from the show i sure. i like it was my favorite song to perform both times i did it it's so tender but the lyrics are so non-committal and actually toxic because this is what mm. we all do. We try to, like, within our group of friends, it's like, oh, if I, I mean, I'm going to give you two an example. It's like, I really want, like, the the humor and, like, the outgoingness of Abby. And I really yeah. want, like, the grounded nature of Cassidy. And, blah, blah. and that's, like, <laughs> so, that's so problematic. But we all do it. And yeah. it just, yeah. it's a sign that we're not ready. And mm. there are three, um, Bobby's three main songs. It's the, it's Someone Is Waiting, We Get Into Marry Me A Little, and then We Get Being Alive. And they all, like, they, he gets closer and closer every time, but this is sort of where he begins, and it's so, or she begins, and it's so, um, like, yeah, like, uh, wait for me, I'm, I'm ready, wait for me, oh, wait, no, it's wait for me, hurry, wait for me, hurry, wait, and I think that's such an interesting, wait for me, hurry, but you have to come to me, like, wait for me, but her, come to me, it's so, like, <laughs> It's not that he's chasing. He's expecting them to come to him. He's so not actually ready for commitment. And yeah. I think that's so interesting. Another trauma dirty dump. Of course, this, yes, this is 1970. Don't. This is 1970. This entire show is about commitment and the nuances of relationships. And it's coming right off the sexual sort of awakening of the 60s. So the show, you can't like view the show without understanding the context of the decade prior. Because everyone was beginning to question the perfect marriage household sort of trope in that decade and then this comes right on the heels of that and i think we see definitely the fruits of that still even if it's a modernized production i was just about to say i was like you know i forgot when i was watching this that this was made pre-1995 and then cassidy said 1970 and i'm like that's kind of that's kind of crazy that they even yeah. mentioned a divorced couple then because that's so oh, much yeah. more yeah. taboo at the time period. Now mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, most of my friends' parents have been divorced <laughs> and gotten remarried and been divorced again. And it's like, you know, it's much more commonplace, I think, now. You're right. Yeah. Which is just wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we get into another hundred people and another hundred people just set off at the train. Mm-hmm. Is this one of the songs you think is too long, Cassidy? Yeah. <laughs> like, 
I understand the point. I really it's really long. Do. And I understand that it has to be somewhat long. It could be longer while still being shorter. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. We still, we could shorten it, and it could still be a very long song. Yes. Fucking <laughs> 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 glocker. It's super, It's really well done. It's kind of showing like all of this underlying potential, mm-hmm. while also just the busyness boom of life that also kind of blocks you from properly taking that in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. also specifically about New York City. It's like, this yes. is one of the only songs that's like very explicitly about the city that they're in. The original production, City of, city of Some Come to Work, Some to Play. And it's yes. so, it's a, an amazing song. And it was actually cut in previews out of town. Oh, wow. But um, beca- but be- because it was too long. And they had to, because it was like mm. running three hours or something, they had to cut it. And how Prince oh, is like, we're cutting it. But then, can you imagine? And then Sondheim really wanted the song to stand. So he's like, wait, what if we intersperse the scenes with all of the uh, girlfriends or boyfriends in this revival? And then we have it spliced so that it like takes you from one scene to another. And they're like, fine. And they put it back Ugh. in. So, but the, oh yeah. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe we have gotten this far into a company episode without me talking about the documentary <gasps> now. Company oh parody my God. Episode. Oh. oh my god Cassie, i had to stop you. watching it as often as i did because i would wake up in the night <laughs> singing the song i had to be like i have to give my brain a break from this absolutely it is so flipping Wait, what are you guys one of the best about? oh abby oh abby so abby you must. so there's a documentary that is a real documentary that follows yeah. the cat making of the cast recording for the show and you see like mm-hmm. elaine stritch like try to get ladies who lunch and she can't they're like there in 3 oh, a.m they make her do it, like, make her do it a billion times. times so it's a very like stressful documentary but also so cool seeing and they're all smoking while singing it's like so cool <laughs> and then a documentary so now like remakes documentaries like and parodies them and john mulaney it's john mulaney yeah john mulaney decided to remake this one and they wrote original music for it and it's called co-op and it's called co-op <laughs> it is and it's oh so funny it is and brilliant. so our next our next song is not getting married today <laughs> and their parody is like don't tell joe but i did a little cocaine tonight <laughs> it's so and so Alex Brightman. Funny. Alex Brightman is ah, that yes, character. Yes, Alex the, Brightman. You, Abby, it's, you're going to and lose Renee Elise Goldsberry is in it. Yes. it I feel like so I feel good. like I have to watch the documentary before I watch the documentary sure, now. Sure. Yeah, I, honestly, yeah. like it's fine. I watched the documentary <laughs> now first, and it was fine. It was great. It was well done. Yes. You know the music, so you understand what they're parodying. Yeah, that oh is a very good point. If you know company, that's all you need to know. <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah. Say prune. No. Rune. Oh my God. No. Move your lips. Oh, so funny. Because Sondheim really? actually does that when he's for the, didn't drive a person oh. crazy. It's like, no, it's Bobby Bubby. It's like, Bobby Bubby? No, Bubby. Bobby Bubby. And <laughs> you see this interaction he's having with the woman who's playing Marta. And it's like and so And then he goes, rich. okay, great. Now when you mess it up, it's not on me. <laughs> <laughs> Sondheim. Cold, cold. cold. It, is, it is the funniest 20 minutes of content I can offer someone who knows the theater. Cassidy, yeah. I think that is absolutely not an exaggeration. I think that oh is true. true. It, uh, I'm going to watch it, and then I'm not going to sleep tonight because I'm going to be singing the songs, but it's fine. Perfect. Oh, my God. So, okay, but wait. Before we leave, uh, because the little the refrain, uh, City of Strangers, that yeah. one, sounds like City on Fire. City on Fire. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's like, oh, my God, Sondheim, you already wrote that. Guess- Sondheim, help. No, <laughs> do you realize you already wrote this? Well, uh, well just, sorry, Abby, to bring back to what you were saying earlier about the letters and how they're moving and becoming the bench and becoming everything and PJ sort of riding the letters. I yeah. thought the, that metaphor is so brilliant because PJ's like, I'm a part of this city. Amazing. He's yeah. literally riding on the name of, like, the show. Like, this is him. And then 
what's so cool about company, all the letters, is that they rearrange them in the end of the song and it becomes NYC. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I am losing my cool. mind, Marianelle. It was one of those directing yeah. things where I bet you I can imagine her sitting and just writing out the words and being like, wait a minute. And it just like, <laughs> and NYC is in the word company. So it's it's just so, so, so brilliant, this production and the little things they did with it. I think it's great. But yeah, yeah. the song's a little long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then it takes us into another really long song, but a song that's got like some good oh, yeah. arts to it. Don't tell Paul, but I'm not getting married. <laughs> da, 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 but I'm not getting married today. Another song you might have heard from yes. the show. Didn't Glee oh, do it? Oh, yes, they did. Yeah. Emma sings it before Will and Emma's wedding. <laughs> of course they do. Of course they chose the most obvious pop uh. Oh, Will wore <laughs> crime shoes to write there, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was surprised that this one wasn't gender bent in the revival because in the Raul Esparza one, like she's singing like, I'm not getting married, and then he asks her to marry him. And there was that moment when it was in the Raul Esparza one where I was like, is this how this show is going to go? Is he yeah. going to marry? I was like, is this going to be like the moment that we start having a plot? Which is actually another thing about company that I really liked is because with each mm-hmm. inner, inner, like almost pseudo romantic interaction that he has, or like where he's like wrapping some up some romantic interaction with every single one. I was like, is this the beginning of his rom-com? Does it just start late? Wow. With yeah. every single one that happened, I was like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> Which I think is good. Like, it's a, another way that Samhain is just so good at creating tension and everything he does, even something that's about, like, relationships and finding yourself, you know? A hundred percent. And this, um, the interesting thing about, he gets really close with Amy um, in terms of, like, yeah. he really does. He's, uh, obviously, Amy Sings Not Getting Married It's one of the most incredible Patter songs ever. It's like people, it's like modern major Define general Patter and song, this. That's the first time I've heard. Okay. Define patter song. Oh. I understand the term, but it's the first time I've heard. Oh my it. gosh. It's okay. Awesome. So a patter song, Sondheim is often known. If you know Pirates of Penzance and it's like, I am the very model of a modern major I general. general. And, um, it, it, that's sort Our, of the uh, 30% gra- uh, demographic of older listeners. You might know that. Yeah. Song. Pirates of Penzance. Hello. <laughs> that, that's considered a patter song where it's, it's so quick. You're spitting out words. It's like a predecessor to, I guess, rap, but it's, it's a very like musical. It comes from like a musical theater background and uh and Sondheim is very good at writing them because he's such an amazing lyricist so he um not only can write words and put them at a fast tempo but he very much understands the um the anatomy of your mouth and what is the easiest way to get from one sort of positioning in your mouth to another so that a patter song can exist and not getting married is a perfect example there's a, if you read Finishing the Hat, which is like his first of his two volumes of like his collection of lyrics, and he sort of gives a bunch of background on the shows and whatever. There's like a few <laughs> moments in it that um, he very he's like, uh, yeah, this doesn't really work, and this is really hard for people to sing. Like a few moments in the song, but most of them, if you just really, if it's in your bones and you just go for it, you don't overthink it. Your mouth will be able to do it. It's it's a crazy sort of Interesting. thing. Yeah, that's super super cool. And so then we have we have. Robert Bobby's like second moment of levity that closes Act One, which is marry me a little. Your voice sounds really, really good, Cassidy. <laughs> Thank you so years. much, Cassidy. <laughs> I'm hitting all the all notes. All the notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's sh- it, the big like hook is I'm ready now. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of him grappling like, okay, now this is something I want. I see it. I understand it. I get it. It just has to happen for me. Mm-hmm. 
but it's still this non-committal like thing where it's like marry me a yeah. little like i want you to love me but just enough it's it's like such a, he's getting there he he's using the word marriage he's interested in marriage for the first time marry me sure but a little and this song was initially um this song wasn't in the original production um, this, it was written, but cut, it was initially sung to Amy, which sounded too, like he, it was too, he, that would then get him too far. Like you, you can't end yeah. act one. Cause that's like saying that, that to like a, a person yeah, is a way confession. too, con- it's a confession. And, the, and then it's like, oh, he has nowhere to go. So they brought it back in the 95 revival as a, wow. like at the end of act one being like, oh, like the, I'll say this to myself. Like I'm using this to myself, which totally works. And um, an interesting thing about this scene, about the Amy Bobby scene, um, when he's like, but why don't don't we get married? Is um, at the end of the first draft of Company, there's a song called Multitudes of Amy's, and he ends up with Amy at the end of the first draft of this show. that makes sense. So, like, it's the seedlings are in there. So, Abby, you're catching that being like, and I'm like, yeah, but that's because the show actually was going to go there. (laughs) I love that for me. Yes. Oh, my God. And also, like... I don't know, that scene just perplexed me because I was so surprised yeah. that she ended up getting married to him at the end of that song because uh-huh. it's yeah. it, it felt, when I was watching the, this is when I had to do the switch to Raul, it mm-hmm. felt in that version very much like that type of like belittling the female's thought of like, because she was very much freaking out about it and yeah. her husband was super calm about it and I was like, you know, I actually think that you're not listening to her and that you're thinking everything That's is fine really because you think you know her, but you are not listening to her. So when she did actually, like, get up and go walk to actually get married to him, I yeah. was like, oh, my God, maybe he – fuck, I guess they are getting married. Like, he clearly clearly knew something I didn't yeah. know. That's, yeah. Oh, Abby, like, that's such a good point. Like, because the gag in the initial production is like, look at her neuroses. Uh-huh. Like yeah. she's freaking out. And yeah. um, then it leads into a patter song, which um, of course worked. That's such an interesting point. And how Bobby's opportunity is like window of opportunity. He is helping Amy or Jamie or she's helping Jamie being like, oh, <laughs> wow. Okay, never mind. Like this, this is not what I want. Something that is so noncommittal. Like she actually wants the other thing, but it takes Bobby reaching out being like, because he says, marry me and everybody will leave us alone. That's literally, is his proposal and um i she that's not what she or he ends up wanting and i but it's it's tough because that happens in a matter of lines and then you this entire scene is about how neurotic this character is so that's a really interesting point when the when the genders are flipped and it's a gay couple you don't feel as much as um, as much of that which is very really interesting interesting very cool Hmm. cool Hmm. super cool we go into act two we have, what would we do without you? How and just kind of talking about how Bobby's a catch and a good friend mm-hmm. and like how everyone kind of relies on him, which is more external pressure put upon Bobby. I performed this then in the seventh have... grade at a musical theater <gasps> camp. It's no. my first introduction Love. to company. I was Bobby. Oh, go Love. off. Oh my God, you had the concept far before Marion did. <laughs> I had no idea what the show was about, but I was like, how would we ever get, get through? <laughs> yes. Who would I do? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Then we go to poor baby. Yes, which we uh, sort of talked about in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a mid sort of coitus, or sort. Of, I guess in the original production, it's sort of like as it's beginning because there's a whole scene after it. But um, in this production, they go right into it, and then it, the coitus part lasts longer. 
<laughs> they, uh-huh. essentially, uh, which I think actually works better because there's so much tension in um, in yeah. this scene. So it, it, I again, just another thing about this revival that I'm so excited for more people to see because I'm like, oh, they it, she really wasn't scared to ter- to change things because people are so precious with shows that are as iconic as this, and and she yeah. she elevated the material because she was able to break some of it apart, and I think that's a huge telling way to approach retries and revivals for sure. But, okay, again, this makes me go back to my Shakespeare Sondheim point. Mm. I think there's something about Sondheim being so iconic that it feels like Shakespearean text and that, like, you can really play with it because the the lyrics are so rich about the feelings and emotions and experiences of the characters, but they don't lean as heavily on, like, what is literally going on in the world Mm -hmm. around them which gives you so much room to play as a director and like as an actor and yeah. putting it in different spaces. It's yes. so interesting to me. Yeah. I have to stop saying interesting. I hate that word, but interesting. <laughs> Fascinating. Perplexing. Perplexing. <laughs> but yes, so what yeah. we would do without you side by side is uh by side is uh, the beginning of act two. And it's so fun. It's like a vaudeville sort of number. It yeah. plays on the form. This this musical sort of, people have coined this musical as the first concept musical, which um, mm-hmm. uh, if you may have heard the term listeners, you may have heard the term book musical, which began essentially with like Rogers and Hart shows where a bunch of things were kind of almost lazily straight, like sketches and songs and um, that kind of were sort of strung and dance numbers were sort of strung together with a very loose plot. And then Oklahoma came about and people then called that an integrated musical where the music is very much part of the story and part of the plot and moves it forward. And then, um, this, and then there were reviews post vaudeville where reviews were like, there's almost no plot, but a theme maybe that strings these sketches and songs and dances together. And this then company sort of takes the review style, but there is narrative tension in it. And it's sort of like all about, so they're like, we don't know what to call this. So we're going to call it a concept musical, which now is sort of a umbrella term that almost doesn't mean anything, but Mm -hmm. what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, so then we go, Have I Got a Girl for You reprise, followed by TikTok, followed by Barcelona. Which we all know a little something about TikTok here. We love TikTok. Biga booga, biga booga. That's my formal fly die retry. Oh, perfect. Yes, brilliant, brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a bigger number than being Barcelona. Where you going, Barcelona? And so it's him in April, and she's a flight attendant. Yes. So my other big question is, because in the Raul one, is that, like, this girl was, like, ditzy and dumb and mm-hmm. boring, and, like, he definitely told a story that didn't make any sense in relation <laughs> yeah. to her story just to, like, have sex with her, and, like, that was very clear from the blocking and she was like i get it and then they had sex and then he's like oh my god stay and then she's like okay and he's like fuck i didn't actually want you to stay Mm -hmm. and that's all very clear how did that work when they gender bent it and was it still very much like she was using him or was it did they actually have a connection like Oh, yeah. So in a um, great way of explaining, and I'm glad, Cassidy, that you're lumping these songs together because they all involve the same thing, yeah. like lump them together. So, um, yeah, of course. Um, I think, yeah, so a- April is a ditzy flight attendant, yeah, but in Andy in, in the revival is also a ditzy flight attendant. Mm-hmm. So, and it, the dynamic doesn't really 
change. Like Bobby, even if she's a woman, is like, so this is the bedroom. Like, let's get going. But he can't, he's so fascinated with the world. Like that monologue about the butterfly, like works just as well when, when it's a man, like, which is so great. It's partly due to Clyburn um, Elder's like in, incredible performance. But the way it sort of switches is that still like Andy is the, is the dominant person in bed. So it's so it's the ditzy lines and sort of persona, but totally like takes the covers and like and goes and then gives her oral sex. So he's still very dominant, but it's that makes it almost funnier that he can be physically imposing. He's so ripped, he looks like a like a jock, but he is so sensitive and sort of unaware of what's going on. But yeah, the dynamic between the two remains somewhat similar. Bobby has the power in it. He's sort of constructing the dialogue to get to her goal which is sleeping with him so yeah it's this it's pretty much the same very i don't know i just like strange to me it is strange this is the one where i was like um, are we are we talking about a butterfly right now yeah it's we have uh, we have 30 minutes left in this show we're we're talking about a butterfly right oh Okay, we're talking about a butterfly. It's George Firth, I'm telling you. George, this, this musical was based on, I think, 11 plays, that one acts that George Firth had written that were going to be produced. Seven of them were going to be produced, I think, in an evening, and then it was canceled. So George Firth, who had been an actor, he was he's the player, he's the playwright here, but he was an actor in a little thing Sondheim did once. So he came to Sondheim and was like, what do I do with these? And he's like, let me ask Hal Prince. Asked Hal Prince and Hal Prince is like, you should make this into a musical. And then they're like, what? Okay. And then that's sort of what ended up happening. So the characters are very much of George Firth's mind. And I think, and they were, all of the scenes had to do with relationships. And then there was one outsider. So they decided in the musical to make the outsider the same person. And then the show sort of fell into place. And, um, and, but I, but I have a feeling this is one of them that I imagine this remaining somewhat unchanged from the one act question mark yeah because i can sense. imagine this being an existing work that like, they like made work yeah. into the musical i don't that is a i don't know actually but it sort of feels that no way. definitely felt though yeah then we have our big iconic ladies who run oh here's to the ladies who run yeah what is the thesis statement of this song like what mm. what would you say like the key thing that she wants expressed in this moment is she's also throughout the song getting progressively more drunk yes for those who haven't heard yes, it yes she's drinking Audra McDonald and Meryl Streep oh, and Christine Bransky Christine Bransky Christine Bransky thank you so <laughs> much did a really funny zoom version of this for Sondheim's birthday yeah it was his 90th birthday in 2020, and that concert was incredible. It was virtual, <laughs> um, and that song, that number, oof. But yeah, the thesis statement of this song is really interesting. I, because I struggle with it as well. I think partly be due to our age, like we're all somewhat young. Yeah. But I think it's supposed to be like, here's to the women in this world who are in a very like, in the women of New York, like the women of upstate New York, who like spend their lives spending money sort of talking about nothing, like having sort of no meaning or purpose to their lives because they um, are in a position of like such like privilege in the city. And then, so when the, it, get, it gets to, um, here's to the girls on the go, everybody tries, look into their eyes and you see what they know, everybody dies. I think it's, it's very dark and it's supposed to be sort of the, um, the like hollowness, I think, of these women who lunch and like, yeah. and um, how Joanne does not really, I. She falls into that um, demographic, but I don't think she identifies with them. Or maybe she does, and that's why the song is so aggressive, because she hates that that's where her life has gone. And that's the other... This is another thing about Sondheim that perplexes me, is that, like, 
then he writes songs like this that I think are just like deeply sad. Like this mm. song is so like it's sad, hollow as you said. Yeah, and and this is typically a song that people perform as a comedy. Mm-hmm. Like they perform this one yeah. with lots of humor, and I'm like, this woman is depressed. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of his songs can kidding. be taken out of context and be used as like a joyous <laughs> sort of like pretty yeah. or like it's often I mean when yeah. Alan Cumming performs it's always his encore like he always sings Ladies You Lunch oh, um and what a great encore. yeah I mean you can imagine it's an iconic song but it is really dark and then like she's quite literally shouting everybody rise 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 at the end and Sondheim was secretly hoping the whole time when he was writing the song which he definitely wrote for Elaine Stritch the song is written for her mm-hmm. and somewhat based okay. on her Okay. Um, who is the original Joanne. Um, she, he was kind of hoping that people would stand up when she shouted rise, like that, because yeah. before it was in front of audiences, like, do you think people will stand when she sings it? But no one, no one stood. <laughs> I, and so is in the revival, was this position gender bent or is it still to the ladies who lunch? Ladies who lunch. It's still, this was Patty it's still Lepone Patty Lapone who, who, who played Joanne in the 2011 um, Philharmonic production with Neil Patrick Harris. So I, yes, so like I the world that. has kind of seen her play Joanne, but now that she's a little bit older and now that yeah. like the production, the context is so different, I thought it was so much more powerful in this production. So was there like a queer moment? Because in, oh, oh, you know what I'm question. saying? Because the whole thing is like, when are we going to make it? Because there's sort of a proposition in the original script where jo- Joanne, after this song, is like to Bobby when Larry's paying the check, like we should do it. We should we should have sex, yeah. um, f- because it's like why not? But in this production, he she offers up Larry, like you should you and Larry should make it. Like he'll treat you well, that kind of thing. Which I thought made such an interesting sort of creepy yeah. sort like like oh he's treated me well he can treat you well like he, he can that kind of thing. And um, then we'll get into it. But the line that change that sort of changes the whole course of the show is. Um, they're both really drunk at this point, and Bobby's like, "But who will I take care of?" And then Joanne's like, "Did you hear what you just said?" Because it was like the first time Bobby's ever said something like that about like what a relationship would mean to her, yeah. the, and the fact that she sort of said that without even thinking. It was sort of a reflex, like, "But who will I take care of?" Is such a that's sort of how being alive starts, um, which we'll I guess we'll get into. Yeah, which is being alive. One of my favorite <sighs> musical theater numbers. Period. Yeah. Uh, Abby has like a running list of like songs you could sing to her to make her swoon oh. and like this I think I only have two and this is it one. What's the other? I so need to know the other. It's if it's if I didn't believe in you. Oh my god. Yeah. A great a, cho- a great great pair. Yeah, both make me swoon. So yeah, being alive is just kind of what he think what he or she, Bobby, mm-hmm. thinks partnership is. Someone to hold you too close, someone you have to let in. Mm. And it it has the same nuance of sorry grateful with a lot more hopefulness and a lot more connection is the point of all of this yeah emphasis which is really powerful and how essentially like they have a little finale but this is the true ending of the show in my book yeah it's the final song Yeah. yeah and we see not come full circle but we see the evolution of this character and not in a way that feels societally forced, which is pretty big, yeah. you know, around marriage. A lot of yeah. societal input. Uh, yeah, and so... I mean, it comes it's down just to, really like... powerful. Yeah. yeah. To me, like, the reason that I was liked the ending and I wasn't too freaked out by the time we got <laughs> to the end of it, because it was, like, 
it wasn't so much about like the concept of marriage which freaks me out for like multiple historical reasons and it's like basis of marriage being like a property thing for women and like this whole like you know yeah like, th- that's really a load marriage is loaded and it's, it's yeah yeah, yeah. It's, we can't get into that but it was yeah. much more about like companionship like i want long-standing companionship for like who i am and i want to get to know somebody for who they are and i don't want to have to keep like just being this third like being this third party that helps these other couples get their yeah. shit together yeah. yes. like i want to i want to be the star of the show with somebody else i want a yeah. co-star i don't want to <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're totally right i this song is so i mean this song I company was sort of the I mean I obviously I'm obsessed with Sondheim and I know a lot of his work now very intimately but company was the first one that I it wasn't into the woods it was company that Mm -hmm. I fell in love with my freshman year of high school and like just couldn't get enough of this show and I think part of it was being alive I think being alive hearing that song for the first time was so profound to me and I took it because I was in the closet when I listened to it for the first time as sort of a a a queer anthem i like i sort of appropriated it to fit my own circumstances no i love yeah that and i and i and i love that and that's why i was so excited for the potential for a queer bobby like to happen at some point um yeah. but maybe that maybe that isn't dead maybe that'll happen at some point but i i retry <laughs> retry Ooh. i wrote steven sondheim a letter finally when i was a junior oh. in college because i was like so I know. So I was like, I need to write him a letter. I wrote him this pages and pages. And I told him, I'm like, because one of his, his biggest regrets in life is not having children. And I told him, I'm like, but you have to understand that little boys like are listening to your music and like, and finding who, who they are through your work. And like, that is apparent in some way, shape or form. And he responded, which was, which he tends to respond yeah. to his letters. It was very, very brief. But he used a word I didn't know in it. He said salubrious. So I had to look it up. Uh, and it just means health giving. Because he's like, I'm glad my work has had such a salubrious effect on you. And I'm like, go off, King. But being alive. That's so yeah, he, I'm so happy you had that moment. Right? That connection. It's like, because I mean, you. I don't know if I'll ever meet him. He's 91. And at yeah. this point, like with the pandemic. And I'm sure he's being very he's careful. Vaccinated. He's Pfizer, baby. He has the Pfizer. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, with this song in particular, going back to the song in the context of the show. There's Sondheim describes it perfectly. He describes the song as a complaint to a prayer because that's how it begins. It's someone, it's like, what do you get? Someone to hold you too close, someone to hurt you too deep. And then the song changes. And in this revival, it is staged so that she is on her knees and she's like, somebody hold me too close. Somebody hurt me too deep. Like she's complaining and the couples are doing interspersed dialogue. Come on, keep going, keep going. Like elaborate, elaborate. And finally, it, it dawns on her. She's like, I want the bad as well. And that's what being alive is all about. Like, mm-hmm. some, like um, make me confused, mock me with praise, let me be used, vary my days, but alone is alone, not alive. It's like those lyrics, like, how uh, do you not? It just, it's one of those songs that as yeah. will stand the test of time. Aliens are going to come to this planet and be like, what's this song? Like, it's just, yeah. it's one of those just unabashed musical theater standards and that's why so many people connect with it and so many people love this song and show yeah you gotta send me that second half that works better so i I got you i'm sending i literally as soon as we get off i'm sending you the link fabulous (laughs) that's company folks yeah uh yeah that's company i really enjoy the show i think it's nuanced i think it's different i like the waves it follows any like closing thoughts tyler (sighs) um just that this i don't know this um 
this is one of the most accessible musicals to watch. You can watch the 95 Dahmer Warehouse Online, the 2011 production with Neil Patrick Harris, the 2006 production. You can also watch the 95 Broadway production in highlights, like Jane Krakowski's in it, Kate Burton is in it, oh. USC professor. Oh. Like, uh, um, and um, so uh, there, and then of course now this revival will be happening. There are so many productions productions of the show that you can see. So th- I think that's why so many people. I mean, Woodland, Woodland is a friend of mine from TikTok, and listening to oh. Woodland's episode about Spring Awakening, he talked about how Spring Awakening and the 2006 production of Company were like the r- crazy eye-opening theater magic um, moments for him, and. What a gift it is that artists are like, yeah, yeah, let's release this work and film it after it's yeah. closed. And I think Hamilton, uh, obviously, was uh, that's like was a legendary decision. And I think I'm really hoping a lot of people follow suit because I wouldn't be the yeah, person I am today. I wouldn't be the person I am mm-hmm. today if it weren't for the recorded versions of this show. So I guess my closing statement is: Love Company. I can't wait to see the revival live, and let's normalize making theater more accessible because that's the only yes. reason that I am who I am today was due to I the ability to watch. I am who I am. Why? If someone <laughs> films a illegal <laughs> musical. <laughs> Beautiful. What a thoughtful and lovely note to end on. Tyler, where can our listeners find you? You can find me on social medias, um, on TikTok at Tyler Joseph Ellis. You can find me on Instagram at Tyler Joe 33 uh, those are the two platforms you, that matter. So do those awesome. two. Tyler's super funny and lovely. <laughs> we've been so, we've had such a good time. Thank We're you so both. Happy you could join I love us. this show. Bullshitters, we've got two, uh, we've got another guest next week as we do the producers. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> as always, we want to thank. Thank you, Liza Kay, Sarah Lassert, Tyler, Joseph, Ellis. <laughs> oh my uh, goodness. All the listeners out there that are getting stickers. You know who you are. We love you, listeners. Thank you for posting the stickers, too. Yeah. It helps us so much. We've gotten new followers because of the stickers. the stickers. So there's more coming. <laughs> so cute. So thank you, Lily Guo, for designing the very Ooh, logo yes. on that sticker. You're the bestest. Beautiful bullshitters. Y'all have a great week. We'll come at you next week. Yeah. Bye, bullshitters. Bye, bullshitters.